This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. On today's show, we're talking Major League Baseball with Maury Brown, writer for Forbes.com. There were some real hard items on the table that pushed this thing right to the edge. And I think that that was really indicative of where um, both sides wanted to basically present themselves like as first-timers. These were core things that they really wanted to try and get in. Now, with Sports Business Radio, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. We're very excited to announce that the Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless is coming up next week in New York City. I'm going to sit down with former NBA Commissioner David Stern in Studio B at the Players' Tribune. The show starts at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll be streaming some of that conversation live on Facebook Live via the Sports Business Radio Facebook page. So if you haven't already liked us on Facebook, go to Sports Business Radio and we'll pop up in your feed when we're streaming that conversation live on December 6th. We'll also be recording the show, as we always do, and it'll be available on our show next week. And we're going to do the show in front of an audience comprised of students from the Marist Center of Sports Communications and from Columbia University Sports Management Program. So always get great questions from the students. Excited to have them there. Thanks to our friends at Tagboard. You'll be able to follow the social media conversation around our Sports Business Radio Roadshow by using the hashtag SB Radio Stern, as in David Stern. You can submit your questions prior to December 6th using that hashtag. We may use your question with David Stern at our Roadshow broadcast. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I am doing great and very excited about New York City. Never been before, so it's uh, the maiden voyage for me. You are in for quite a (laughs) treat. It is one of my favorite cities in the world. I would say that New York City and Sydney, Australia are my two favorite cities. I'd probably put Shanghai in there as well. Probably my three favorite cities that I've ever been to, but... Uh, the cool thing is we're going back to the Players' Tribune, which is where I do my sports PR summit events every May. They've built out this Players' Tribune Studio B where they have a lot of athletes come through when they're in town. It's a nice intimate space, but it'll be perfect for our conversation with David Stern. And I'm just really excited because I've not had the opportunity to sit down for an in-depth conversation with David Stern in person. And I think so many people have wondered, hey, What's Commissioner Stern been up to since he left in in 2014? Adam Silver, now the commissioner of the NBA. So we're going to catch up with him. He's got some great investments. He's been doing lots of things, but he's been kind of under the radar. So uh, I'm very excited that he's going to be our guest. And at the end of next week's edition of Sports Business Radio with David Stern, we're going to announce the date and location of our next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo Wireless. It's also going to be big, and it's going to take place at one of the biggest sporting events of the year. So we'll have that announcement on next week's show at the end of the show. But Griggs, I love getting out of the studio. I love getting in front of the college students. I love interviewing someone in person. It's a different dynamic than when we have them on the phone and we're sitting here in our studio and you can't see them. Yep. It's just much better, and it's a it's a better conversation. It's more long form, and I find it's interesting when I reach out to the Genie Buses, the Derek Halls, the David Stearns. They like the fact that it's long form and it's not soundbite, soundbite, soundbite. Because everything in this day and age in the media seems to be a soundbite. It's 140 characters that you see on Twitter. 
they like the fact that they can go more in depth on a topic, and, and I love the format. Yeah, and I think uh, your history with David Stern is good. We've had him on a couple times, and he really has opened up to you, so I'm excited to see it in person when you guys can do the face-to-face feedback, and it's going to be an exciting show, and he always has great insight, and that guy is so knowledgeable, and like you said, has so many feelers involved with investments, and not just NBA, but so much stuff. It's going to be a fun conversation. So coming up on this week's show, Maury Brown from Forbes.com. He covers sports business. He's going to join us. Major League Baseball has a deal done with uh, the Players Union. And, Griggs, there was a lot of talk about, oh, my gosh, is there going to be a work stoppage? You know, now that they've got this deal done, they will have had 21 years of labor peace. Remember, you know, when they had their lockout years ago, and it really hurt the league. And now the league is in such an amazing place. They're they're profiting billions of dollars. They just had arguably the best World Series ever with the Indians and the Cubs. The Cubs ended the 108-year drought. So baseball is in a good place. And if this had derailed all of that hard work because of a work stoppage where you can't figure out how to divide billions of dollars, that would have made baseball look pretty bad. But we'll get into that with Maury Brown on our show this week. Let's look at some headlines of the week, Griggs. So the NFL this week dismissed speculation that it is considering reducing its commitment to Thursday night football in the wake of disappointing ratings this season. The league said in a statement this week, we are fully committed to Thursday night football and any reports to the contrary are unfounded. Any changes to this, Griggs, would have to take place after the 2017 season because the deals with CBS and NBC are in place until that time. But you know what? I think, and we've said this before on this show, there's an oversaturation of the NFL. There's too many games on. It's on too many nights of the week. It's become oversaturation for fans. So I think getting rid of Thursday night football would be the right way to go. Maybe you don't get rid of it altogether. There's been talk that after Thanksgiving, maybe then you do the Thursday night game. So you launch with a Thursday night Thanksgiving game, and then the rest of the season, late in the season, you have those Thursday night games. But I think we've seen the last few years. First of all, it's a danger to the players. More injuries happen on Thursday night football because of the short layoff from Sunday to Thursday. And then... People just aren't watching on Thursday nights. They're busy. They're making dinner for their kids. They're getting ready for school and work the next day. It's just not happening as they thought it would. And it's worth a lot of money to the NFL. But is the NFL going to put player safety before profits? And are they going to say, you know what? Maybe we are oversaturating the market. And to get our ratings back up on Sunday nights... And on Sunday days, we need to lose a day of the week. Well, I think you're right. And I, I remember when I was a kid, it was like the anticipation of waiting for Sunday because that's when NFL was. You know, you, you waited. It's like Christmas morning. You, got, you wake up and you got games on all day long. Right. And now you've lost that with games all the time. I think the anticipation of having that Sunday slate of games all day and then Monday night football, too. But you got them kind of back to back. Sunday, Monday, boom, there's your NFL fix. Then leave it. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, remember, there's, I think, some Saturday games on the schedule late in the season, and leave it Sunday-Monday. It used to just be Sunday-Monday. It was special, like you said, and again, with all of the injuries, I mean, that Luke Keekley injury, I tweeted out a, a really insightful piece uh, The Ringer did, Bill Simmons and Malcolm Gladwell, about the future of the NFL. I would encourage you to read that if you haven't read it, but they bring up some really good points. And that Luke Keekley injury where he sat up and, you know, you could see him struggling to breathe 
and it looked like he was crying and he was disoriented. If that didn't punch you in the gut, and if I don't have a boy, I have a daughter, but if I had a son, like I, I'm watching that and going, I don't know if I want my kid to play football. Like that's gut wrenching stuff. And you've seen more and more players deciding to retire early, whether it's from college, like the Indiana University quarterback recently did, or whether it's NFL players like Calvin Johnson and others going, you know what? It's just not worth it anymore. I don't want to risk my long-term health. So we'll see where this goes. But the NFL was quick to deny that Thursday night football is going to go away anytime soon. Uh, our next headline, again, Major League Baseball players and owners have a deal. We'll discuss that more in depth with Maury Brown coming up. But the interesting thing about this, the dynamic, much like the NBA, you've got a first-time commissioner, Major League Baseball commissioner Rob Manfred. You've got the union chief, Tony Clark, who's a former player. This is their first kind of deal that they've done together, much like Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts in the NBA. So You've got that going into it. Another part of this agreement that we can confirm, or maybe separately from this, but was discussed and is now done, is Griggs, no longer will the winner of the Major League Baseball All-Star Game have home field advantage in the World Series. Thank God. I mean, let's go back to some common sense where if you play the whole regular season and you have the best record in your league or you have the best record in all of Major League Baseball like the Cubs did this year, you shouldn't be playing Game 7 on the road in a World Series. It's just ridiculous. I know they were trying to add more meaning to the All-Star Game. But you take away a body of work over the course of a season by what I would say a gimmick and giving the team who wins the All-Star game. And, and there's so many conflicts of interest, too. Like, what if yeah. you're managing and you decide, ah, you know, I don't know if I want to get home field. But like, <laughs> there's just too many things that come into play. And I think finally they've gotten it right. And the body of work over the course of the season will trump one game, the All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, what do they play, 161 games in a year? And you're going to trump that for one All-Star game? I mean, that it is kind of ridiculous. And you're right, it's a gimmick. I like that word because it feels like that. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, Game 7, the, the best team in the league, if they're in the World Series, should have the home field Game 7. Definitely. I mean. So I, I'm happy to see that change. Yeah. And we'll discuss that with Maury Brown. Uh College football news. The coaching carousel goes round and round. And Griggs, I want to give some numbers just to give perspective. Because remember, college football is about amateur athletics. Ha! Totally. Listen to these numbers. So the University of Texas fired head coach Charlie Strong, who they hired from Louisville and paid $4.3 million Three years ago to buy out his contract. So remember that number because that factors into all of this. Okay? So they fired Charlie Strong. Strong is owed a buyout of about $11.2 million that would be paid out on a monthly basis through the end of the contract term. However, Strong is obligated to make reasonable efforts to obtain other employment. And if he does, Texas's obligation to him will be offset by an amount equal to 50% of the total compensation Strong receives from his new job. So if he goes and gets a new head coaching job somewhere else or even an assistant job, whatever he makes will be deducted from what Texas owes him. Or he can go play golf, right? And and bring home 11.2 for the remainder of his contract. And again, so now 11.2 to buy him out, 4.3. You take $15 million to bring in Charlie Strong and then get rid of him. Okay, so that's one part of the equation. They do all of this 
to bring in University of Houston head coach Tom Herman. Tom Herman, they had to pay a $2.5 million buyout to the University of Houston to get him out of his contract. They're going to pay him a reported $5 million over five years. It could escalate to $6 million in years four and five. So look at all of this money that has been spent. Now, that's just the University of Houston and, and the University of Texas. Let's switch to our backyard, the University of Oregon. For the first time in 40 years, the University of Oregon fired its head coach this past week, Mark Helfrich. The Ducks had never fired a head coach in 40 years, okay? They've always promoted from within, or the coach is retired, or they've gone on to uh, the NFL, whatever it is. They, there haven't been any firings, okay? Everyone's entitled to do that. I think Mark Helfrich is a super nice guy. I think he's a good coordinator. I don't know if he has the personality both with players and with the media and with the fans to be that head coach, that A personality. Okay? $11.6 million is what Oregon had to pay to say, bye-bye, Mark Helfrich. Now, same thing with him. If he goes and gets another job, whatever he makes is deducted from that buyout number. The Ducks can pay that buyout number over a course of years. So it's not like they have to write a check tomorrow for $11.2 million. But you're getting the point here, Griggs, is that when you get rid of a coach, it is expensive. When you bring in another coach, usually you have to buy that coach out of where they're at, and then you have to pay them a ton of money to now be the coach at your university. And again, this is all done under the umbrella of amateur athletics. It's not about the money, Brian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Both of those situations, 11 point, whatever it is, it's, it's insane how much money's floating out there and, and the complications of these coaches they bring in for, you know, two, three years and then they're gone and it's bringing the next one. It's well, just crazy. The, the one rule I want to see change more than any other in college sports and mainly in football and basketball. If the head coach leaves and the head coach recruited you, and promised you that the head coach would be at that university if you came to that university. You should have a window. Is it a month? Is it three months? Is it six months? Is it a year? I don't know what it is, but you should have a window where you can transfer without having to sit out. That is fair to the student athlete. If we're talking about we want amateur athletics to be fair for the student athlete and blah, 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 let them out of the commitment. If the coaches can get out of the commitment... And you can pay millions of dollars to get them from one school to the other. Shouldn't the athletes be able to also move without penalty as well? That's a rule that I would like to see changed in college athletics. 100% agree. I think uh, they definitely have the right to that because, like you said, they they were recruited to play for this guy. Right. He came to their parents' living room and said, I want you to play in, in, on my team. And then the coach is gone. They should have the ability to leave and transfer if they want to or continue to play. But I agree 100%. There shouldn't be any downtime. They should be able to play where they want to play. Yeah. And, I mean, oh, you have to sit out a year. And, look, if, if they have a window and they don't move in that window, fine. Then they have to stay. And if there's no takers for them at a, uh, at another university, fine. But give them the opportunity to move because the coach who just recruited me is now gone. And that's not the kid's fault. And there's a lot of this musical chairs that's taking place in college football and in college basketball. And the money that we just described is astronomical. I mean, these numbers, Griggs, this is NFL type salaries. You don't have to buy someone out in the NFL. 
you know, it, it's just crazy what it's become. So we'll continue to follow this and, and discuss it more on our show. Our last headline of the week, Tiger Woods returns to the golf course for the first time since August of 2015. And it's going to be a different Tiger Woods. Not only does he have a few surgeries under his belt, uh, not only is he older, 40, he's going to debut a Monster Energy logo on his bag at the Hero World Challenge, his first competitive golf tournament again since August of 2015. Monster joins Nike, Rolex, Upper Deck, Hero, and I think it's pronounced Koa as Woods's sponsor. So remember, for years, it was Nike Golf on the golf bag. Nike Golf now doesn't make clubs anymore. So also of interest, Woods is going to be playing some Titleist clubs in his bag because, again, unless he uses his old Nike equipment... The equipment is changing, and he hasn't played since August of 2015, so the equipment has changed a lot, believe it or not, over that time from then until now. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays. I think any way you slice it, Griggs, Tiger Woods equals interest for golf, interest from the casual fan, and when he's playing and he's in the mix, more people are watching golf. So I think it's good that he's returning. I think it is too, and I agree. It's he's got a special uh, power over the golf viewer. It's like if he, Tiger is there, or you know, competitive, or even playing at all, people watch more. It's just proven, and we've seen it over the years. Even when he was number one, to now he's whatever he is, two hundred something ranked. Well, so when he's playing well, it's you're you're watching a maestro unlike any other, and and you want to see that. When he's not playing well, it's the car accident you can't turn away from, and you're like, whoa. What's going to happen? Is he going to melt down? Yep. Is he going to drop F-bombs with someone in the crowd? <laughs> is he going to throw a club? Like, yeah. you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. So right. it's must-see TV. But the interesting thing to me, you know, for a long time, and there have been many articles written about Tiger, that, you know, he was a loner, that he didn't get along with guys on the tour, that some guys were intimidated by him back in his heyday, and all of that may be true. But what seems to be happening with older Tiger is that guys are pulling for him and guys do want him to get back to being a success on the golf course. If for no other reason, they know that, again, the more people that tune in to watch golf when Tiger's playing, it's better for the sport. It's better for the PGA Tour. It's better for prize money. It's better for endorsement deals. It's a trickle effect. So I think there's a lot of people with a vested interest in Tiger getting back out on the course, being able to stay healthy, and being able to compete. Is he going to break Jack Nicholas's record? No. I've said that for the last few years. I thought he was on track, but then, you know, ever since the whole Thanksgiving incident with the ex-wife, uh, that has not gone. I mean, he hasn't won a major since then. So to win majors in your forties and to think that he can win five of them in his forties with the health problems he's had and break Jack Nicholas's record, I think it's a little bit unrealistic. But we'll watch Tiger Woods and uh, we'll watch it with interest. Coming up next, Maury Brown from Forbes.com will join us. We'll get into the Major League Baseball agreement with its players. There's a new CBA in place. What does it mean for Major League Baseball? What does it mean for fans? We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back.
Hi, it's Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. Did you know that Super Bowl 50 broke the record for single-day Wi-Fi usage and beat last year's record before halftime? And then nearly 80% of fans use their mobile phones during live sports events? Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. And that is why major venues around the country work with Boingo Wireless to manage their wireless networks. Boingo knows fans, and they know how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. Boingo designs, installs, manages, and monetizes wireless networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Chicago Soldier Field and Phillips Arena, home of the NBA's Atlanta Hawks. Boingo is the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless services so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Sports Business Radio has teamed up with Boingo to bring you monthly stadium stories focused on how technology is changing the business of sports. I will speak with Boingo and their partners, including athletic directors, venue owners, leading sports marketers, and industry influencers who will share valuable insights you'll want to tune in for. For more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Moy Brown. He is a great read at Forbes.com. You can follow him on Twitter at BizBallMory. We've had him on the show many times before. Maury, welcome to Sports Business Radio. Happy holidays. Well, happy holidays to you, Brian. It's always a pleasure. So, big news. Major League Baseball players and owners have a deal in place. Interesting dynamic. First rodeo for Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball commissioner, and for MLB Union Chief Tony Clark. Let's start there. How does that dynamic with them being involved in these negotiations for the first time kind of change the tenor from what it's been in the past? Well, I think that that was kind of a key question as we were leading up to it. I mean, they, they reached the deal three hours before the, the, the current deal that's in place expired. And, and so, um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of talk about it, me included. You know, were, were some of the other principals in place? Dan Halem was kind of the key negotiator that Rob Manfred had done for a long time on the labor front. And then Rob, I think, was kind of parachuting in on critical moments, basically giving his thoughts around it and what the owners were thinking. But I think it was interesting because there were some real hard items on the table that pushed this thing right to the edge. And I think that that was really indicative of where um, both sides wanted to basically present themselves like as first timers. These were core things that they really wanted to try and get in. But it's interesting. It, it's We didn't get a lot of major changes in it. I think it's mostly a tweaks thing. Some of them are significant. Some of them are more between the owners, I think, than the players. But, you know, we don't have all the information. It's a tentative agreement. Um, they have basically a memorandum of understanding. And so a lot of the details aren't out there yet. But there's quite a bit, and it's been an interesting look at it. Well, and I doubt, I mean, look, we know the PR game. I doubt they make an announcement that they've got a tentative deal in place if they didn't feel very confident that they were going to get a deal done. You don't see any scenario where this thing goes sideways, do you? No, 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 not at all. I, I really don't. I mean, you, you for all those reasons that you mentioned, you wouldn't mention. I mean, it has to be ratified by the players and the owners, so they have to go through all that process. And really, that stuff doesn't start to happen until much later. You know, while you can have the core items basically stubbed out, this now goes into all the the details that have to be fleshed out, and that will take a considerable period of time. And all the all the very technical details underneath everything that goes along with it. So I know that um, with the the agreement that just expired last night. 
we didn't get it out into the public for, geez, I want to say three months. You know, I mean, it just took a long time before it got posted. I said, you know, when I was talking to an executive at the league, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, look, man, this stuff is not easy. It takes time to basically flush out all the details. So, um, no, I don't think that there would have ever had a situation where the players wouldn't have ratified it The the uh, or the owners. I mean, the owners aren't very vocal out on social media, but the players seem to have been very happy about it, those Justin Verlander or John Lester or others, Justin Turner from the Dodgers. There were several of them that went out on Twitter and said that they were very happy. And I think that that's a good sign. I mean, you've got some stars there and you've got a couple of up-and-comers. So nothing really negative out there that I could see where the players thought that they um, got the short end of the stick on this. I mean, if you look at this from the fans' perspective and you, you really look at it from a distance, you go, wow, Major League Baseball making billions of dollars maybe the best World Series in in history of the sport, everything points towards success. Why would you derail it with a work stoppage or not being able to come to an agreement? So it's so good that they were able to reach an agreement because I think it would have been just really detrimental to the sport if there had been any kind of a work stoppage. Well, and so on the PR side of things, absolutely, I think you could say that because even though there would have been no games, um, there, you know, here we are in December. It would have derailed the the baseball winter meetings, at least on Major League Baseball side. The minor league stuff would have continued on. They still would have had the meetings, um, but it would have absolutely put a complete freeze on free agency and player transactions. And you would have had, you know, about three to four hundred media members sitting around in the media room with no transactions to report. So what are you going to talk about? You're going to talk about exactly those things that you brought up. Hey, a $10 billion industry and television ratings through the roof and sponsorships up through the roof. And why couldn't you guys find some middle ground to get a deal done? And they did. And, you know, that's a testament, I think, really to baseball and how they have changed. There are no real hard issues anymore. There are no more fights like we saw with Marvin Miller and the owners where it was really about trying to get equity involved. Everything now is really kind of moving back and forth around certain things. And then the big thing around that and why I think part of this really went kind of up to the wire were because of this prosperity. I think the players are concerned a bit that they're not getting their fair shake around it. Now, Tony Clark said that it's about as 50-50 as you can get. Myself and others have looked at it. Scott Boris said the same thing I did when I looked at it. When I looked at the numbers that were basically released at the end of the year, which we'll be getting to here shortly, which show the final player payrolls that have all the benefits and everything that go around it, I was looking at more like 43% of it was going to player salaries. And that kind of struck me that we're not quite equitable. But, you know, uh, the way things have moved, if, if the players really honestly believe, and they are privy to maybe more information than we certainly are, if they feel it's 50-50 and everybody's growing – than they are. But, you know, there's always going to be issues, Brian. I mean, you know this as well as anybody that if you look at the NBA or the NFL or NHL, one of baseball's um, advantages is they don't have a cap system. But the strange thing is with this new deal, I think we're going to get a bona fide soft cap, albeit you're going to have to be really one or two teams to hit it. We're we're really starting to get around the luxury tax now, almost very close to what the NBA has. So explain that to our listeners, a, a, a soft cap. Uh, you know, obviously the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Nationals, they're the top spenders in Major League Baseball. At what point does the luxury tax kick in? 
Well, so that's going to be the first thing that w- that everybody was kind of talking about because it was one of the final items that they had to get done. So in the um, in 2016, the luxury tax threshold was 189 million, and it had hung around that for a couple of years as part of the the basic agreement, and that will now move to 195, and it increments up every year till it gets to about 210 million. But there's talk about the tax rates and how they've changed now. A, a habitual offender, one that goes multiple consecutive years and breaking through the luxury tax threshold, your Yankees and your Dodgers are the best example, they would get hit with a 50% tax on every dollar that went over those thresholds. Well, now there's talk of this, and it depends on who you look at right now, and once again, we don't have the final details out there. Joel Sherman said it's going to be between 50 and 60% for somebody that goes, say, above $250 million. And Jason Stark of ESPN said that we're going to get something closer to 90%. And you, if you get to 90%, basically almost, you know, near, you're getting close to 100% on the dollar at that point. You, you're, you're really talking about a cap. And the players, of course, they would, or the league themselves would never say that. They say, no, it's a luxury tax. You know, if, the player, if, if a club wants to assume that responsibility and pay that out, and remember, for those listeners that don't know about this, luxury tax dollars really go back to the player. Right. They come back in the form of benefits. It is not the same as revenue sharing. Based upon that, if, if, if the league says, hey, you really want to do that and you want to shoot yourself in the foot or pay, pay the price, go ahead. And, but it is one of those things to where clubs have been very, um, they, they've, they've been very much aware. People will say, well, you know, look at what the Dodgers and the Yankees do, but they don't talk about what the Tigers or they don't talk about necessarily some of the other teams, the, the Red Sox, for example, that come very close. That's by design. That They don't want to pay that tax. And by moving this up, albeit incrementally, it is something that I think plays into we're going to have you know more money going into player payroll. What I'm really interested to see, though, Brian, is what happens with revenue sharing. Because with that, I think that that could really alter the dynamic. And that information just isn't out there right now. Moy Brown from Forbes.com. You can follow him on Twitter at BizBallMoy. Moy, I've said for years, I think the Major League Baseball regular season is too long. It's just too long. And I know there was no real talk this time around about, well, let's shorten the season because if you do that, then there's less money to be made by everyone, right? The players make less money. The owners have less revenue coming in. Do you think we ever get to a day where, you know, in this what I call – uh, 140 character world that we live in. I mean, they're talking about an oversaturation of the NFL and you have 162 games re- for the regular season for major league baseball. Do we ever get to a, a shorter regular season? Well, I think we will. And as a matter of fact, I've talked to Rob Manford about this and he wants to see it, but here's how it's going to happen, Brian. And this is, this is like having it both ways. So it'll go to 154 games, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, that would be a significant move. How it happens, though, is that it'll happen with expansion. And it, the league really sees themselves as a growth industry, and that has not changed. I think this labor deal very definitely shows it, and certainly the the revenues that are pouring in lead to them going to this at some point. When you get to 32 teams, then you go to basically eight divisions of four, and you would expand your playoffs. So the regular season will shorten up but it'll be an expanded playoffs. Now, I don't know if it gets to the link like we see in the NBA, which can be, you know, it seems like a very long time, but we will, that's how they'll do it. They'll get more postseason games, less regular season games, because the, the postseason games are often shared, the, the revenues around much of it are shared 
um, collectively across the league, those teams that are on the outside looking in will still benefit in some way. But it also, you know, the, it's designed at that point, you know, once again, whether it's the wild card editions or what, a, what you have, it's really designed to, for teams to, of course, to be competitive and trying it into the postseason. I don't think fans understand sometimes that some teams, you know, well, I, I don't know if it's going on now as much as it used to, but you had teams that were like, hey, as long as we're making a profit, uh, we don't need to go out and spend wildly to go out and do that. Let's just ha- hang back in this warm spot. And Florida. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, Florida. <laughs> Florida, Miami has been on the The A's are being looked at now. Um, and I think that much of that is um, – that's where I think the revenue sharing, there's a lot of talk that the A's will no longer receive revenue sharing. They couldn't get their stadium deal done. And the John Fisher from Levi Strauss Empire basically is going to – it took over for – Lou Wolf. So once again, that hasn't come out. Um, there's been a lot of rumors about it, and I think that there's a good chance of that. But um, once again, I think that the the big thing that you're going to see is some ability to try and get equitable around being competitive, and and I think that they continue to move in that direction. So before I let you go, winter baseball meetings coming up. As we've discussed, now that a deal is tentatively agreed upon. There will be Major League Baseball transactions at the meetings next week. What do you expect? Well, I would expect to see, you know, I, uh, a bunch of teams were holding back. Even though there were, it was interesting, there was a, somebody mentioned what was going on with the Astros and why did they suddenly make some real quick moves and what was the big urgency? Well, we saw what the potential urgency was. I think that there was either opportunity or there was a situation where they said, you know what, we may be coming up on a lockout. Let's get in while we can. Right. I think a lot of teams were more optimistic, and they were rightly so. We see that we've reached a deal. But I know for a fact that the, the, the Yankees, you know, any moves that they have decided to do will be there. I think the, the one team that to really watch will be the Pirates. I think Andrew McCutcheon is absolutely going to get moved. Wow. Um, and because the Pirates are, are actively shopping him. I mean, it's not like entertaining People, they're not entertaining calls. They're making calls trying to offer him out there. Hmm. And so I think that you're going to see, I think you'll see more activity than you have in the past at the meetings. The meetings used to be, of course, the, where most everything happened. But now with the Internet, phones, everybody can be contacted at any point, any time. And there's no real hard time around it that specifies you've got to get a bunch of deals done then. I still think it will be active. And I think that this is good. I mean, you'll have, You'll have the league talking about the CBA, and the media will be talking about that. I think that there'll be some deals that'll be done that will be of interest to everybody, as they are every year, but I think more of them this time. And I think that it, once again, will be a, a good PR moment for the league that coming off the end of it. And look, Brian, I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. While the numbers haven't been released to me, they won't be until just before the Christmas holiday. I would expect this year to be... If it will absolutely be a record year for revenues. It'll be the 14th or 15th year, I think, that they've had record revenues. I think it will be the largest increase that we've seen based upon how they're doing on the technology side of things and based upon how basic, they really have changed with this, what Rob Manfred calls Baseball One, which is they, they unified all of the arms of the business underneath one thing. So right. now instead of, and that really has benefited them greatly. They're, I, I, they're going to surpass $10 billion. I think it's just a matter of how much I think at this point. They're talking about it now like they're coming close to $10 billion, but I think that they're going to surpass it. Yeah, I mean, with Major League Baseball Advanced Media, who has deals not only with Major League Baseball, but outside of Major League Baseball, doesn't Disney have a piece of them now? 
Yeah, they're spin up. You know, they spun off. A, this is a, a great topic that we could do a whole show on, but um, they spun off a new company called BamTech, and they completely disconnected it from baseball-related stuff, which is not money that has to go to the players in any way, shape, or form. And, yeah, Disney has purchased a third of it, but they'll eventually move into a majority stake. They've started BamTech Europe, which works with Discovery Communications to do stuff. They're getting involved with uh, eSports. That's going to be a huge deal that's coming up. They're making so much money on the digital side that it it is really staggering. And that money goes to the owners, by the way, too, right? The players don't get any piece of it, but the owners who put down the original money to start Major League Baseball Advanced Media, they're getting that money. Right, and this is one of the things I keep, you know, I, I, I keep waiting for the players to say, hey, we need a part of this. Right. But once you start to go there, it does get into a cap-type thing, and I think that it's, you know, a double-edged sword for the players. I'm sure they would love to have a portion of that, but then it gets into baseball-related revenues and how it's connected to them. And, um, you know, the, the thing that was as such an advantage for the players for the longest time, which was no cap, really has turned into an advantage for the owners. I don't think anybody saw that 20, 30 years ago, but it is now. And they're like, well, fine. You know, we really don't need a cap. They're working cap-related things in. The international draft that they didn't get this time around, they now have hard caps around how much money teams can spend on international free agency as part of this new deal. I think that it actually worked to the advantages of the owners with, of course, with just the information that we have now, it looks like it's a win for more for the owners than the players. But it, it, once again, the owners are making incredible amounts of money and that's why you don't see sales as much as you used to. You can hold on to it and watch the, the value of your franchises go right through the roof. And I think that it will once again be one of those things to where, um, you'll either see corporations want to get involved, like Guggenheim Securities or what have you. But I think that it's one of those things to where they've become so profitable that, um, once again, expansion happens here. If it, I, I would say expansion happens within the next 10 years, once they get Oakland and Tampa Bay figured out. Interesting. Last question for you. One of the most polarizing players of the World Series was uh, Chapman, the closer. And he's a free agent. And people are saying he's going to command a record salary for a closer. Do you think we see something happen with him next week at the winter meetings? You know, that's a great question. Um, those are always kind of the difficult things to say when you get into a player that is going to hit um, or potentially hit a record. Um, it's often, you know, one of those things to where they may play out the market and see how it is. Um, if someone else does a deal that's, you know, currently um, would be kind of eye-popping, um, that sets the market for them. So I don't know whether you have Chapman go in and set the market or whether and, and set some record deal, which then lifts everybody else's boat, or whether it flips around. Normally with something like that, Brian, it probably takes a little bit of time. Would I be surprised if it happened in the winter meetings? No. Um, but I think at the, at the same time, I think it wouldn't be surprising if we didn't see it happen. That's Maury Brown, a great read at Forbes.com, always cranking out great stories there. You can also follow him on Twitter at bizball Maury. Maury, happy holidays. Thanks for joining us. Well, Brian, it's always a pleasure and uh, have me on anytime. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hello, everyone. Mark King here, president of Adidas Group North America. 
One of the most inspiring parts of my job is the conversations I have every day with extraordinary people who are shaping the sports landscape. I talk to athletes, league executives, athletic directors, and agents, and now I'm bringing these conversations to you through my new podcast series, Extraordinary Happens, Competing in Sports, Business, and Life. This series dives deeper into what inspires the people who are leading change in sport, both on and off the field. I want to know what makes them tick and uncover how they're challenging convention to make extraordinary things happen for their teams, their businesses, and themselves. And I want to share those stories and insights with you. Tune into my bi-weekly episodes of Extraordinary Happens on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, get out there, challenge each other, lead change, and make extraordinary happen. This is Sports Business Radio. We're back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to our guest, Maury Brown from Forbes.com. Good conversation on Major League Baseball's new agreement with its players. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at Boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A reminder, we're doing our Roadshow next week in New York City. December 6th, we'll be at the Players' Tribune with former NBA Commissioner David Stern. You can catch some of the conversation live on Facebook Live starting at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 a.m. Pacific Time. We will also record the entire conversation, and it will air on Sports Business Radio next week. Podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Just go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio, or rate it in the top 100 business news podcast. You can also find our show on Audioboom and via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps. You can follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must-follows on Twitter, for 2015. We've been on that list the last two years. Griggs, we started an Instagram account. Go to Sports Business Radio on Instagram. And again, if you use the hashtag this week, SB Radio Stern, everything is going to populate on the screen at our road show in studio at the Players Tribune. So SB Radio Stern, if you have a question, if you want to post something. But I'm excited to have an Instagram account. You can go on there right now and see some of the pictures from our past road shows. I'm sure we'll be putting up some pictures. There's even a rumor, Griggs, <laughs> that after the road show that night, we may go to Rock Center. Hello. Visit the tree and Put lace up the on. skates. <laughs> yeah. Just call me. I'm down with it. Brian. Brian Boitano. <laughs> Griggs Gretzky over here. That's right. <laughs> so we may post some pictures on the Sports Business Radio Instagram feed of that possible debacle. Let's hope we don't end up in the New York hospital. <laughs> yeah. Broken wrist. Broken wrist. Down skate. I, I've actually skated there I have before. Too. I haven't skated there, but I have I skated. So. Yeah, I've skated there, and it's pretty cool. I mean, look, you see all the movies, and they're always skating there. They're skating in Central Park. And uh, this is the best time of year to be in New York because you've got all the decorations up, and yeah. the tree is up, and the city is just hopping with energy. Festive. Yeah, so I, I'm very excited to go on the trip next week. So It'll be good. I'm glad you're making the trip. Our uh, official photographer, Brad Kinzer, will be there as well. So he'll be taking great pictures that we'll be posting on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So follow our feeds there. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you from New York 
on next week's edition of Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. 